Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress.
Thank you, Brother Jamie. You ever do anything dumb? <clears throat> you know, it's embarrassing to wear the wrong socks with the wrong slacks. And last Sunday morning, I tried to dis- discern between navy blue and black. Because I was wearing black slacks, so I needed to wear black socks. At least that's what my wife says, and I take her word at it. So I'm trying real hard to discern, discern is this, are these navy blue or are these black? And I said, no, these, these are black. I'm sure these are black. I need to be wearing black. I got black. Well, I'm sitting over there last Sunday morning and crossed my legs. Brother Matt's goes preaching, and Sandy Huber was so kind to point out to me that pastor has on navy blue socks with black slacks. That's not the end of the story. She's sitting next to Tom. She looks down. He's got on navy blue slacks with black socks. (laughs) Same Sunday morning. It would have been a bit awkward if we would have changed socks in the middle of the service. I'm throwing him my navy blue and he's throwing me his, uh, his black. But we're grateful for our wives trying, trying to keep us straight. It's good to be a guy, yeah. Um, I was preparing, you know, our last split session, I I was preparing a message for the men, and I I told Sharon, I said, I like this message, but it applies to more than just men. I I said, I'm going to prepare something else for the men. I'm saving this message because I want to preach it to the whole congregation. So I had that message all prepared, the PowerPoint's all done, the outline all done, and I'm preparing to preach that message this afternoon. And then yesterday morning, like I said, I got it all done. It's a lot of work going to messages, so you feel good. It's done. It's, it's ready to go. And then I read an article yesterday afternoon about inviting people to church. It was one of the most interesting articles I have ever read. Very practical. But I thought, this is good. And with the um, emphasis this week of us inviting people to church, I said, I, I got to share this with people. So I, once again, I put that on hold. You won't hear it next Sunday because we don't have a next Sunday afternoon service, but you're going to eventually hear it. But I really believe, and that's how the Lord works sometimes. You got to go with what the Lord tells you to do. And I think this fits perfectly, what I'm about to share with you, with what we are attempting to do, especially for Easter, but we should be conscious of all the time. This, this applies well beyond Easter, but we're going to focus on Easter Sunday. We're calling it <clears throat> Invite Your Friends. Now, I'm going to read you three passages, and don't answer out loud, but I want you to think to yourself, what do these three different passages in Scripture from uh, two different books of the Bible, what do they have in common? What's the theme here, okay? Passage number one, Luke chapter 10, two verses, one and two. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Let me grab this. Okay, that's passage number one. What does that have in common with passage number two? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay? Pray ye the Lord of the harvest. Go ye into the, uh, uh, and 
whosoever believeth in him should not perish. And then the third and final passage, Luke 14, 23. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. As I said this morning that prayer is a major theme of the Bible all the way through, so is soul winning a major theme of the Bible. And what these three passages have to deal with, and by no means is this theme limited to these three passages, but what these three passages do share in common is that the the Lord's desire is to use you and I to reach people for him. Three things about this. Number one, these verses all command, are all commands that God's people be involved with getting people saved. That's why he says, pray ye the Lord of the harvest. So again, in those two verses, we see that these are commands of God that we be involved in getting people saved and that we're praying for other people to get involved. That's a major theme. Okay? And if we, if we take the Bible seriously as we do, then we know that if we are not involved in, in actively and on purpose reaching people, inviting people to church is one of the ways, and that's what we're focusing on today. That's not the only way to get people saved, but that is a way which we're focusing on. If we're not doing that, then we're out of God's will. Number two, these verses give us insight into the heart of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so we see here that we see the heart of God. It's God's heart. You know, he, he knows what eternity is like. He knows what hell is like. And it's not his will that anybody go there. Which, number three, these verses command that we put forth a valiant effort. That we put forth a valiant effort to see people saved. One of the ways of doing that, which we're emphasizing today, is by inviting people to church. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges. And compel them to come in, that my house may be full. Go out into the highways and hedges. Inconvenience yourself. Uh, Take a risk. You know, do what you have to do. Go to any length. Plead with them. Compel them to come in. We know that one of the great themes of Scripture is for us to be involved in the harvest of souls. Having said that and laid the biblical groundwork for that, I refer you to an article written by Jeff Noble, have no idea who he is. All I know is this is a great article. This article was printed on March the 12th, 2017. And the title of the article is Five Reasons to Invite Someone to Church. Five Reasons to Invite Someone to Church. Now, I don't have this on one of our slides, but let me just read you. This is how his article began. This caught my ear, and I thought this is one of the... It's a short article. But it's one of the simplest, and I think one of the most interesting I've ever considered. He started off by saying inviting someone to church should be the easiest thing in the world. Who wouldn't want to come hear good news? And yet there are many reasons that Christians don't invite their co-workers, neighbors, friends to experience a weekly worship service. So he says, rather than identify reasons that Christians don't invite people to church, I thought I'd offer five positive reasons to invite people to church. To church, because some of us we need a little more than being told, "Hey, you need to invite people to church." Some people need a little motivation, and I'm hoping this will serve to motivate us all. What are the five reasons he listed? I found them interesting and compelling. Number one, he said this. You've heard this from me. 
He said they will more than likely come. If you invite people to church, they will more than likely come. He says, one surprise from a Barna study of the unchurched, I shared this with you, 96% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if they are invited. Most people don't come because they're simply not invited. You have no idea who might come if they simply get an invitation. And he went on to say this, and I have this quote up behind me. He said, we think that people are turned off by church. And so we say no for them, rather than letting them say no. Isn't that a compelling thought? Convicting too, perhaps. That we don't invite them because we just assume they're not going to come, so we say no for them by not inviting them. However, when a genuine personal invitation is given, most people, not all, most people respond positively. He suggested this approach. He said, instead of an an impersonal, hey, do you want to come to Did you do that? We're we're about to find out. Maybe not. He said, instead of an impersonal approach, hey, do you want to come to church Sunday? He suggests this. Try this. He said, I'd love for you to consider visiting my church with me for Easter. It would mean a lot to me that you checked it out. Would you be open to coming this Sunday? I like that approach. Hey, I'd love for you to check our church out. Love for you to come. Easter would be a great Sunday. We're expecting guests. Would you be my guest to come this Sunday? So a positive reason for inviting people to church is there's a very good chance that they will say yes. Number two. He said, inviting someone else will usher you into spiritual adventure. I like the way he put that. It will, by inviting people to church, you become part of a a spiritual goal, a spiritual aim, a spiritual adventure. He says, and I quote, it's behind me, when you don't invite or play a role in the invitational process, you think you're playing it safe. No harm done, right? But you're missing out on one of life's most incredible opportunities. I'm doing it. What am I doing up here? He says you're missing out on one of life's most incredible opportunities, being able to play a role in someone's life transformation. You think you're playing it safe, but you're just really just missing out on playing a role in someone's life's transformation, which will affect them for all of eternity if they get saved. One of the things I like best about ministry, one of the things that intrigued me about ministry from the time that I was a kid was the fact that in ministry, God can use you to make a difference in somebody's life. Is is there a life better lived than that? Is there a life better lived than being used of God to make, let's add, a positive difference in somebody's life, and we'll add spiritually. It, and, and I thought, as a pastor, I get to do that. Oh, there's difficulties, there's disappointments, there's setbacks, there's, there's, there's heartaches, but that pales in comparison to the fact that you can be used to make a difference in somebody's life. So we shouldn't be opting out, we shouldn't be uh, playing it safe. We need to understand that. Being used of God 
Another quote, being used of God to introduce someone to forgiveness, peace, and ultimate purpose. There's nothing more rewarding or energizing. So we need people to get in the game. We need, we need people to not sit on the bench. You know, we have people that will come, and for new Christians, I get it. For new Christians, they're still trying to figure it out. But if you've been saved any length of time, and all you're still doing is just sitting on the bench... And and if you're not inviting or conscious of inviting or making an effort to invite people uh, to church for Easter Sunday, in a sense, this week, we as a team, you're riding the bench. Whereas those that are handing out a card, inviting people, calling Aunt Ruby up in Gaylord to come to church, or the guy at work on lunch breaks, hey, it's Easter Sunday this Sunday. I'd be thrilled if you'd come check our church out. I'd love for you to come. You know, I'll meet you there. I'll be there about a quarter to 11, and you come and you sit with us and what have you. I mean, those are people in the game. (laughs) And I've said before, when you play sports, everybody wants in the game. Nobody joins a team to ride the bench except in church. Now, it's frustrating. In church, there's too many people that are just content to ride the bench. I put forth an effort. Hey, we've got a game this week. We need you in the game. We need you inviting people, calling people, um, handing out these, these, these invitations. Oh, not me. I'd rather just ride the bench. Again, a new Christian, sure. A backslidden Christian, yeah, it's probably going to do that. But if you see yourself as a growing, maturing Christian, or you've been saved any length of time, you ought to be eager to get in the game. To be a part, when you invite people, you become a part of a spiritual adventure. Your, your life takes on greater meaning, greater significance. It's not just watching Wheel of Fortune every whatever night comes on. I think every night. Because Sharon and I watch it every night. No, we don't. But so, I mean, there's more to life than that. And you can contribute. Don't let, don't let Satan trip you up and say, well, I don't have the personality to do that. I don't have the giftedness to do that. I don't have the knowledge to do that. That's not true. Don't undersell yourself and how God can use you. I mean, God can use anybody and everybody in this room, regardless of your personality type, regardless of your education, regardless of how long you've been saved, regardless of your income. I mean, you can be used. You're a very valuable member of this team, and we need to get involved. But a lot of people just for whatever reason, I'm I'm too scared. I don't have the personality. I don't have the knowledge. What if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? We, We can't worry about that. Number three, he lists as reasons to invite people to church, particularly on Easter Sunday. It will challenge you to refresh your heart, your knowledge, and your living. Not only does your invitation for somebody to come to church impact them, but it impacts you. When we take, he says, when we take steps to intentionally invite someone to church, we often go through a self-evaluation. We think... And he, I think he's dead on here. That's why I was just intrigued by this article. Some of these things I hadn't thought of before. We think, who am I to be inviting anyone to church? I need to get my own life right before I do something like that. I never thought about that before. Sounds reasonable to me. But there may be people in this congregation right now say, yeah, I need to invite people to church. And one day I will, but I got enough struggles in my own life right now. Who am I to be inviting somebody to church? He says concerning that. I quote, first of all, that's a clever rationale, but it holds no air. We should do both. 
renew our relationship with God through prayer, confession, and joyful repentance, and invite people to church. If you don't do both simultaneously, you probably won't do either. Great quote. Again, Satan will play with our minds all he can to try to find any reason to discourage us from inviting people to church and even inviting people to church on on Easter Sunday. And we just fall for the lie, who am I? You know, I can't invite anybody to church. And and what he says here is, yeah, you got to work on your own life. And at the same time, you still invite people to church. Number four. What a great thought here. It will give the people you invite the opportunity to make a more informed decision about church and Jesus and eternity. It will give the people you invite the opportunity to make a more informed decision about church and Jesus and eternity. What do you mean? Let's look at what this gentleman says. Prior to your invitation, they are making assessments based on what they've heard on the media and other portrayals of religion. Give them an opportunity to rethink things from personal experience and trust God with the process. That is a tremendous thought. That really spoke to me when when I read that. A lot of people are making decisions, but they're not informed decisions. What they've heard about church. By you inviting them to church, they're, they're going to see it for themselves. They're, they're, they're going to see that, you know, maybe they're a little weird. Pastor and Tom wear the wrong colored socks with their pants or whatever. But, you know, these are good people. This isn't what I thought. And you afford them that opportunity when you invite them and they say, yes, they can come see for themselves. I love you. I love this church. I was telling Sharon this morning. We were sitting in the Sunday school class and uh, before people arrived. And, and I told her, I said, do you remember when I first candidated in New Hampshire looking for a church that never pastored before, but I knew God was calling me to pastor. And I went to New Hampshire and it was not a good experience there. I candidated at that church, but I knew from the get-go that there, it wasn't a match. They weren't going to call me. And if they did, I probably wouldn't go. And so on the way back, you know, I was disappointed. I was heart sick. And I was, uh, remember driving through Pennsylvania, rolling hills. And you could see these little towns with church steeples out in the distance and whatever. And, you know, I told Sharon, looking around this morning, I said, I never dreamed at that time. Do you remember that day, Sharon? I, I was in tears, crying, coming back, headed back to Chicago. And, uh, and I told Sharon, I said, I, uh, Never dreamed that I would have you folks, this place, and all the memories of 28 years. And, you know, it just far exceeds any, anything I ever thought. And I, I, my point is this. I love you. I love this place. I want others to come love you and love this place. And some of them have preconceived notions that are wrong. And they need to come and see a group of people who aren't perfect. None of us are, starting with me. But... When they sing family of God, there seems to be a genuineness about it. So it'll give people you invite the opportunity to make a more informed decision about church and Jesus and eternity. He, in this article, quoted C.S. Lewis, the writer, the Christian writer, 
and I don't know if you can read it, but I'll read it for you. C.S. Lewis said this, I thought that I could do it on my own. I guess this is before he came to know the Lord. I thought I could do it on my own by retiring to my rooms and reading theology, and I wouldn't go to the churches. But as I went on, I saw the great merit of it. I came up against different people of quite different outlooks and different education, and they gradually, and then gradually my conceit just began peeling off. I realized that the hymns, and in his words, which were just sixth-rate music, were nevertheless being sung with devotion and benefit by an old saint and elastic side boots in the opposite pew. And then you realize that you aren't fit to clean those boots. Being in church, he's saying here, it gets you out of your solitary conceit. We do people a great favor when we invite them to a church that is loving, is biblical, and they come and they get to see things for themselves. And then his last point which I had never thought about before, and I mentioned it to Sharon, and she said, that's true, that is so true. What's the point? Point number five, last point. It will make you see your church in a whole new light, and you can share what you observe. In other words, you, when you invite visitors, you're going to see your church differently, and anything that is good you can appreciate, and anything that isn't right, then you can help to address it and make it right. Here's a quote. Nothing is better for taking blinders off than when you have a guest present. You know, you know where he's going? Does that make sense? You follow what he's saying? You're, you're well, when you invite somebody to church that you've been wanting to come, you become very sensitive to everything going on around you in a way that you never were before. You just come, you sat there. But now you got a visitor here, and you know that visitor or this family, they're sizing everything up. So you're very sensitive to that. You realize the welcome and announcement time, in this case, isn't done very well. You see misspelled words on the projection screen. You never noticed them before. You notice that your church family actually is or isn't welcoming. You hear the sermon as if it's your first one. You're on edge experiencing everything through the eyes and ears of your guest. And that's a good thing because church can become routine. And then you have your guests with you. And all of a sudden, you, you're sensitive to everything. Because you know you're seeing it through the eyes and ears of your guests. That's a good thing. And the things that maybe you become aware of that aren't done as they should be, God can use you to start something to, to correct it. And, and, but, but let me throw this in, a little chase a rabbit here. I fully understand... You invite somebody to church, and maybe uh, it's a couple, and you're glad they're here, and they're cohabitating. And sure enough, get what, guess what pastor does? And you're going, ooh, 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 don't do that. you you got to trust that the Holy Spirit is in charge. And let me tell you this. This is, this is a fact. This has happened before where certain of our church people have been embarrassed and upset with me, but their guests loved it. Because they heard truth. You know, it, it's amazing how that's worked through the years. I, I, I've had people that hardly ever come here. They're visitors. You sense they're not safe. But they said, that, that spoke to my heart. So again, that, that's one caveat. Now, you know, you just got to trust that the Lord lays it on my heart. I can still blow it, and I, I don't ever intend to, but most times not. If I'm preaching the word of God, and if I step on somebody's toes, that's okay. 
You know, that's just, that's just okay. They need to hear the truth. So don't worry about what's being preached. But again, if things are done wrong, things aren't done in order, things are messy, things are not clean, then yeah, you're going to be more sensitive to that. And that, that's, a, that's a good exercise for all of us. And then you're able to share it with someone. So again, I thought those were just five tremendous points. What were they again? Number one, why invite somebody to Easter service? Well, number one, they will more than likely come. That's encouraging. Number two, inviting someone else will usher you into a spiritual adventure. You're off the bench. You're in the game where the action is, where you need to be. And you don't have to be perfect to be there. I don't know of any Bible character other than Jesus who was perfect. Number three, it will challenge you to refresh your heart, your knowledge, and your living. Number four, it will give the people you invite the opportunity to make, and I love that, an informed decision about church and Jesus Christ. Not what they've heard, not what they think they know, but come into a church where it's just real. Look, we don't need the praise band. We, we don't need all the bells and whistles. Folks, we just, what folks are looking for today is truth and, and reality. People that are, that are sincere, people that are not phonies, people that are not playing a game. That will impact people as you, as you can't imagine. People want to hear the truth. They hear lies. They hear propaganda. They, they hear all this kind of stuff during the course of the day. Uh, they hear bravado from people and complaining and whining. Come here. We're going to share the truth with you. And you're going to see people, they're not perfect, but they're good salt of the earth people. And number five, it will make you see your church in a whole new light. And you can share what you observe. In other words, you can appreciate the good things that you become more sensitive to. At the same time, if there's some weaknesses that need to be addressed, you can bring that to someone's attention or you can take the initiative to try to fix wherever there might be a flaw or a need for something fixed. Um, it's a great opportunity we have next Sunday. We have about six days until then where during the course of this week we can invite people at the grocery store, we can call friends and family in the area that can come, we can ask co-workers at work, we can do a whole lot of things. And we will be in obedience to the Lord. We'll put ourselves in position to be blessed because Luke fourteen twenty three, the last verse we'll look at, says, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. I want the Lord to give me a higher sensitivity to reaching people, whether I'm about town or wherever I am, that I will have one of these cards with me. I'll be quick to hand it out and encourage them to come. Come give us a try. I'd love to have you as uh, my guest this Sunday. And with that, as we've seen through this man that wrote this article, there are some benefits there that I really hadn't even thought about before. It's just a good thing if, if all of us will be out on the playing field this week. Nobody's sitting on the bench. Nobody wants to ride the bench. And in church, you know, you don't want to ride the bench. We want to be out on the playing field, engaged, involved, and that will heighten our excitement for next Sunday through the roof. 
one service, 11 o'clock, and we'll try to make it, I can promise you, Jamie, I, and all those involved, we'll try to make it something special. Well, we do that every Sunday, but uh, next Sunday being Easter, we will do that as well. Uh, Speaking of special next Sunday, uh, there will be an Easter egg hunt for the kids after the morning service. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Our heads are bowed. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.